Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land right now. This land is a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, song. Uh, it's been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue be, uh, to be in their hands for long after us. We are very privileged to honour this history of storytelling uh, today here at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders, uh, past, present and emerging. We're coming to you from Redfern live right now. This is the birthplace of black theatre in this country and it's a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. Uh, This is a show hosted by people of colour and speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan joining you over the phone as well for this sesh. Um, Today we're going to be asking some really important questions. Like, how do we gain justice when the justice system refuses to value the lives of black people? How can we, con- how can we succeed as well when one mistake we make will be weaponized to function against our entire humanity? Today on the show, we will unpack the recent lynching of Ahmad Arbery in Georgia in the U.S., the ongoing struggle to confront and convince the wider community of systematic racism, and the role that white people play in upending and upholding these systems. On this show, we try our best to always authentically represent voices that are ongoingly underrepresented and to empower audiences from said demographics so we all have a space to find our narratives and our truth reflected with strength and hope. We also try to make sense of things that are exhaustive, triggering, absurd and oftentimes tragic. So a context warning here, we'll be discussing racialized violence for the next 15. If you're distancing yourself from these types of stories at the moment, Maybe come back to the podcast at a later date when you're ready. So on the 23rd of February this year, 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery was jogging in his neighbourhood when two white men, a father and son, chased him down in their pickup truck, gunned him down and murdered him. Ahmad Arbery was assumed a suspect in a case for a series of local break-ins but was unarmed and carrying nothing when he was killed. They claimed it was a citizen's arrest and up until two days ago, The two men have been walking around free with no criminal charges laid against them. Two police commissioners this weekend stated that they wanted to arrest the two individuals for murder in February when it happened, but were blocked by the district attorney because Gregory McMichael, an ex-police officer and ex-detective, was friends with the DA. The shooting and gross cover-up and protection of the McMichaels demonstrates the ongoing systematic and institutionalised racism of colonial Western nations. Yeah, and this is something that happens pretty much every day. And uh, this murder in particular cuts through because there was actual footage of the shooting. Uh, it was broad daylight, and it was from the perspective of a car following the two men. And it took this uh, to spark a global outcry. Uh, in the same way that the video of Eric Garner's death uh, reached the world uh, from a few years ago. And there's this like absurd tragedy of videos of black murders being used in the same sentence of going viral. 
that in the same like trending topics on Twitter, you can see Grimes' baby name as well as the name of a man mm. who was just lynched. Uh, yes, uh, people need to know his name, but no, the video should not be shared and reshared because what that does is it re-traumatizes black and POC communities. But is this... I guess, what it takes to strike the passions of non-black folk to demand, uh, demand justice. How many less headlines would there have been had this not been caught on tape? And how much time in between Ahmaud Arbery's death and the charging of, mur- of his murder- murderers would have lapsed? And had the full force of the internet uh, not been behind it, what would have happened? I mean, be outraged, but uh, I guess don't be surprised because um, basically had Ahmaud Arbery been white, he would be alive today. Yeah, that's right. And another thing on top of that not being surprised is the predictable analysis that's being conducted by white commentators around the event. And that's whenever a black person is murdered by a white vigilante or police officer, the immediate response is to find justification in the senseless murder. And commentators go digging into the victim's past, referring to any shortcomings in their life to derail sympathies and arm the murderer with reason for their decision to kill. It's disgusting. And it's a common and predictable route that the mainstream media take, and it upholds these oppressive systems. So also just please be incredibly self-aware of all of this amongst these events. It is so important that we focus on protecting the families of the victim, that we ensure the facts are being communicated clearly, and that we collectively call out this toxic racist rhetoric. I want to read a quote from Ijeoma Uluo and uh, a piece she wrote for, for The Guardian about her work in cultural awareness in the workplace. And this is what she said. Every time I stand in front of an audience to address racial oppression in America, I know that I am facing a lot of white people who are in the room to feel less bad about racial discrimination and violence in the news, to score points, to let everyone know that they are not like the others, to make black friends. I know that I am speaking to a lot of white people who are certain they are not the problem because they are there. Just once, I want to speak to a room of white people who know they are there because they are the problem, who know they are there to begin the work of seeing where they have been complicit and harmful so that they can start doing better, because white supremacy is their construct, a construct they have benefited from, and deconstructing white supremacy is their duty. So some incredible words from Ijoma Oluo. White supremacy exists in the legacy of black slavery. Uh, It exists uh, in the legacy of colonization of indigenous peoples. Uh, It exists in racially profiling innocent black men. And it exists in unconscious bias. It exists when a white person asks a person of color how something might be racist. Because the moment you question the validity of someone's trauma, that's the moment you put your life in higher value than theirs. And I guess that's a system that results in the murder of people of color. Like, it's all connected. Yeah, it's all interconnected. And just on top of that, let's bring it down to a little bit of a local level. And something you might have seen in the news regarding a black man would be um, prominent NRL player Latrell Mitchell. So Latrell has been utilised as a polarising figure within our sporting culture. And his treatment in the media is now being compared to the same experiences shared by Adam Goods. Um, so Latrell caused controversy amongst the upstanding moral high ground kings of NRL <laughs> when he refused to sing the national anthem at last year's State of Origin. And so the gross racism he received, as he faced as a result, was not shocking, but of course it creates a heavy burden for him as he's now forced into a role of leadership, which can be a really damaging thing for young men and women in our communities. So this forced leadership role 
and responsibility that's often placed among um, upon young Indigenous peoples to speak on behalf of our communities, to not be allowed to make any mistakes, human mistakes as well they are, and be thrust into a spotlight of brutal criticisms from old, expired white men has severe implications on the mental health of our people. And Latrell Mitchell has been subject to those criticisms now because of a very human mistake that he made a few weeks back for flouting social distancing rules on private property, by the way, something that has often been overlooked by Apple members of eastern suburbs communities and other NRL players who are also not Aboriginal. But an interesting observation has been made by one of our previous Race Matters guests, Nathan Sentence, and it was in regards to a recent discussion around players who oppose getting vaccinated for COVID-19 precautions and their right to stand their ground. And Nathan made the point, those NRL commentators championing players standing up for what they believe in in regards to flu shots better not be the ones that criticise black players for not singing the national anthem. And that's it right there. That's the upholding of racism and cherry-picking of moral standards when it's a black person's character coming into question. All of that needs to be called out. So if you are a white person trying to be a better ally, this is how you ally. You recognise the racist defamation of character and use your reach to call it out. Also be mindful, of course, of what Darren was talking about before in the triggering content you share, but protect the humanity of the victims and their families. You have to push the truth and stop protecting the status quo that benefits your white privilege because when you continue to do so, what happens? Another person of colour, a black man, like what happened to Ahmad Arbery, Arbery, is gunned down and covered up because it's a citizen's arrest. Those are the tragic consequences that happen. It's the death of marginalised people. It's the death of black people. That's why there is a movement called Black Lives Matter. It is about black lives because in all reality, it doesn't matter. And you show that it doesn't matter when you uphold that status quo and you uphold and normalise the racist rhetoric that continues to be pushed in mainstream media. You are listening to Race Matters right now with Sada Khan and me, Darren Lasagas. We've been talking about some pretty tragic events that have happened over the past few weeks. The lynching of Armand Arbery in Georgia and the United States uh, has been felt across the world, and rightfully so. But this is also a good time to remind yourself to surround yourself with you know, love, softness, enrich yourself in the things that have been created by your communities, and uh, especially now as we are physically distant from those of our community as well. Sarah, what are you reading, watching, listening to in your time right now that is uh, healing or in any way? So I got Amanda Seals' book, Small Doses. I ordered it on Booktobia about six weeks ago. It finally arrived and it has completely shook me up and given me all of this renewed fire and understanding of myself as a Indigenous Pakistani woman, of my creative aspects, of my engagement with white people, how to better communicate race to white people. This book is everything. I can't, <laughs> I, I've been giving a little review on each chapter day by day over at the Brecky Show um, at Crew Radio. <laughs> I, just give like, I just read my favourite bits from each chapter that I read each night. And <laughs> So if you don't know, Amanda Seals is... Um, She's a Caribbean black woman, grew up in America. She's a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and this book is a collection of essays. 
and every single person needs to read it. It is a book that speaks to black African-American women particularly, but like specifies it down to obviously because of that's her experience. So when she talks specifically, it's down to that. But in all reality, she has used this book for to give a message to every single person, white man, white woman, every single dem. Like that's what I mean. Like if you are an ally, or if you think you're an ally, you need to read this book to check if you're actually doing your allyship the right way because she actually gives a full blueprint on how to do it. <laughs> that's so good. And it, it's yeah. amazing. And it even gave me an understanding of how to like communicate that type of whiteness to white people that don't really get it mm. either. Because I think I can be a bit too much like run down, too hard, too brutal, like too fed up. But um, <laughs> it kind of just gave me like... Oh, okay. I can do this. I can angle it this way now. <laughs> you know, it was, I don't know. And she also speaks a lot. Like the whole first section is about women and our bodies and understanding our desirability and sex versus intimacy and how the beauty industry has warped our understanding of beauty within ourselves. And then she goes into rape culture and misogyny and hip hop. And that was more particularly to her people speaking into problematic, um, you know, elements of that within her own culture and then she goes into race realities and then I'm up to the creative business section now and the creative business section <laughs> kind of felt attacked in and she was I felt attacked because um, <laughs> I was like oh my god I have not been working hard enough <laughs> um, yeah and it's also a really good book because she is an intellectual like she's an incredibly like intellectual academic thinker and writer but she takes all of that language and makes it accessible for everyone. So it's all written in colloquial terms. So it's a book that is accessible for everybody to read. And what's it called really again? Important. Small doses, Amanda Seals. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be taught in school. <laughs> I'm writing it down because I don't want you to yell at me next time. But I'll take it if I haven't <laughs> if I haven't if I haven't read it by the next time I see you, which uh, I hope is very soon. <laughs> I know, I know. What have you been reading up on? Okay, I've been reading. I've been watching. It's a pretty um, comforting show. You're probably well familiar with it. It is a cartoon. It's called Avatar: The Last Airbender. I mm-hmm. watched it when I was young, and it's something that you can revisit and feel the same sorts of feelings, but learn something new every time. It is a cartoon. It does seem like a simple concept, but the way the stories unfold are so beautifully elaborate and uh, and deep. I mean, it's about these essentially four nations, uh, all of them identified by a certain element of nature that they can create, but one of the uh, nations has been wiped out by the other. And it's about the Avatar, who's the master of all four elements, and his uh, journey to uniting all nations. And it deals with ideas of class, intergenerational trauma, uh, the eradication of entire races, and what it's like living under a dictatorship. And um, it's actually a very beautiful watch. Uh, and I don't want anyone to knock on cartoons. I will defend them <laughs> till I die. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a very comforting watch uh, if you're looking for something a bit tender and soft to kind of keep you comfortable at the moment. That was a deadly synopsis of that. Are <laughs> you going to watch it? I've heard of it. Yeah, you should watch definitely it. Otherwise, now. Uh, that's my turn to yell at you if you don't watch it next time. <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to Race Matters uh, this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. And make sure to listen back to the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. And we'll see you Happy next time. Happy Mother's Day as oh, well. Yeah. Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day yesterday to our mothers and to your mother uh, for yesterday. Here's Wak Wak Jungi. This is Mother. I'm going.
Race matters. 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 Race matters.